It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers who are on vacation. We are not. And the rest of the NFL. It is the Pro Bowl Week Roundtable episode, the first annual Pro Bowl Week Roundtable episode. We are here in the beautiful Loop Studios of Radio DePaul Sports in beautiful and slushy downtown Chicago. I'm Mike Fleischman. Along with me, as usual, it's Matt Mellomsetter. Hey, Mike. And then joining me in the studio, we have got to my left, Hami Arain, and to my right in front of me, Ryan Wittry. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hey, thanks for having me. And our special guest coming all the way from Great Falls, Montana. He does it all out there. It's Adam Shalafu, former general manager of Radio DePaul Sports. And my friend, how are you, man? I'm good. Good to be here. I'm uh, digging, digging the name of the show. I'm glad the Packers didn't make the playoffs. Thanks. So uh, I'll just start with that rude, uh, rude start there for you guys. All right. I want to thank Adam Shalafu for being on the program. <laughs> Wish him all the best in his future career. <laughs> no, um. <laughs> Can you just hang up on him now? Yeah. Please? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just press yeah, the. Yeah, I don't just don't know what happened to Adam Shalafu. He was talking, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then it was gone. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and then I deleted his contact from my phone. Oh, what the heck? Uh, well, I'm going to start. Packer fans out here. <laughs> Are there? In yeah, Great Falls, man, Montana? I hate it. I, yeah, because <laughs> they don't have a football team. Okay. And so. Um, They're not I've Broncos met, fans? There's some Broncos. It's like the three big teams are the Broncos, the Seahawks are the biggest, and then. For some reason, the Packers. I've only met two Bears fans out here, so. Yeah, I've only met about two Bears fans in Chicago, too. <laughs> oh, I believe that. <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start with with you, Adam. I I have very limited notes. I sort of have a sheet of paper in which I've written the words NFL question mark um, on it. So, thought, uh, thoughts. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, my first question for you, Adam, is do you think Roger Goodell has a tattoo of the NFL shield on his left ass cheek? Mm, I haven't seen his wife like says no. ass in weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> he, uh, um, the, the background of this is that uh, Roger Goodell's wife in, in like an interview made sure to like really stress that it, the rumor that Roger Goodell has a <laughs> tattoo of the NFL shield on his butt is in fact not true. And I hadn't seen that. That's to me. That's just like that's that's like really, really protesting too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah why? Why like not admitting admit that. that there is one? It yeah. sounds like all the times that Trump's been like, no collusion, no collusion. It yeah. Seems like you're getting out in front of something. You know? I mean, that's yeah. really love for the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder. It, it probably says no fun league. <laughs> it probably does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably from Southern California too. <laughs> Well, I'd show it to you, but I'd have to find myself for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I can't celebrate like that. <laughs> um, so Super Bowl is is um, Patri- Patriots Rams, which is strange. the The championship weekend was like both good and bad. So I'll just take like general thoughts on what the heck is going on to start this thing. I think it's really cool. I mean, honestly, the first thing I thought of was Super Bowl 36 in 2002 because it was the St. Louis Rams against the underdog, the kid that no one had really heard of until that year, Tom Brady, 
who was looking to prove himself. And, uh, you know, a pretty unproven coach as well in Bill Belichick. And I think that it's just kind of cool, like, the game, leaving the game away from it briefly here, you know, it's, it's kind of cool and poetic to have that come full circle. I know Tom Brady said this isn't going to be his last game anyway. But, I mean, it's, it's this is Super Bowl 53 now. So this is, what, 17 years later. The Rams are playing in St. Louis. There's not a single member of the, I can't even think of in that organization that's still there. And you got the same coach in the same quarterback who started all, I don't know if I'd call the Patriots a dynasty, but I mean, at the same time, I don't know why I wouldn't call them a dynasty. I mean, they, it's been 17 years. I don't know how many championships they've won in that stretch off the top of my head. Maybe one of you guys can help me with that. I think they've won but five. It's five, yeah. That's, that's plenty of championships. That's more championships than I have. I only have one flag football championship. <laughs> and so that is, you know, a dynasty. Uh, I guess, you know, I mean, he's winning one just under one every three years with uh, Tom and Bill and going against like the seemingly unbeatable greatest show on turf Rams. They had all those weapons with Isaac Bruce and Oz Hakeem and Ricky Kroll and Tory Holt, Marshall Falk, obviously Kurt Warner. And now it's the most exciting offense the Rams have had by far since then, uh, you know, with Jared Goff. And I think Todd Gurley is right up there, top three running back in the NFL. Um, and so, like, I think it's a very ironic matchup, especially now that this is, you would assume, towards the end of Tom Brady's career, this could potentially be his last Super Bowl. I'm not going to put any money on that necessarily, but it's, Definitely going to be. I, I know everyone says don't bet against the Patriots or whatever, but like, why not? This Rams team's really, really good. I think the big thing, and I haven't decided which way I'm going as far as the prediction goes, but the big thing for me is I don't think that the Rams have been completely forthcoming about how dinged up Todd Gurley's been, and that's more based on how he's played and how many, how much he's played. Uh, they've been using C.J. Anderson a whole lot, and I think that's great that they've kind of like got a really healthy running back who didn't get really a fair shot this year, and then the Rams got this guy just in time for the playoffs who can definitely still play. But if they don't shut down the running game, I don't think there's a team in the NFL besides the Chicago Bears that could beat the L.A. Rams. I mean, when they're running the ball, they're practically unstoppable and it changes the way you have to guard everybody. And Jared Goff is truly one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, too, and so I think he could really make New England pay if they overcommit to the run game. I think that I'm not going to call anyone a dynasty in the, until they start producing their own pottery. Fair enough. <laughs> I, got <laughs> one, I got one guffaw out of that, so that's, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, until I can look it up in the, uh, oh, this comes from the mid-Patriots dynasty. Uh, that this the, is a Bing and this is a Brady. Yeah, the line work has become, become more elegant and more curved. Um, <laughs> sounds terrible. Uh, I think as, as far as, we talk a lot on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland about how good the Patriots game planning is, is that they are just second to none and that they have, mm-hmm. they have consistency there as well and that they've got a noted non-head coach of the Packers, Sean McDaniels, 
they're setting things up on offense. They use their personnel really well, and they have a fair idea of what you're going to do before you do it. And the LA Rams present them a, present them a very dynamic offense, but I think that the Patriots are going to have a fairly good idea of what to do offensively against the Rams defense, which has been just been their trouble so far this year. They've just counted on Jared Goff scoring scoring more points and having the ball late to get it done. Yeah, I, I am wondering how Aaron Donald is going to get after Tom Brady, though. Because I don't know if he's faced anybody since the Bears or, or you know, this year where he's had that kind of pass rush. The dude's old. The dude's old. And I don't know if he's going to be able to move well enough to avoid the rush from the outside. And Dominican Sue is known for trying to injure people, frankly. So I think it could get a little interesting as far as uh, if Donald gets to Brady early and often, that could change the complexion of the game as well. Uh, I know Mellum said, or you remember the Patriots-Packers game where the Patriots came out and had the first, yeah. um, first 20 or so plays completely scripted and completely no huddled yeah. so that they were up to the line of scrimmage about seven seconds after the previous play ended, ready to snap the ball. I think you do the same thing. Yeah. And it, just immediately, immediately tire out Sue and Donald. Yeah, and, and also like the Rams secondary. I mean, the Rams secondary is not very good and is not very deep. Uh, so if you, if it's likely, I think, that the Patriots will come out with that kind of game plan in the first half, kind of run this team ragged, script it. Uh, the Patriots use the Earhart Perkins uh, language for play calling, which allows them to kind of change things at the line a lot quicker than teams that use like West Coast verbiage. Um, so they can really get up to the line, move quick, change plays on a instant, have 25 seconds on the play clock to make adjustments to the line, and that's why the Patriots are so lethal. Um, also, I found a little stat here about the Patriots' game planning and their adjustments. Uh, when losing or tied at the half, the Patriots come back and win at 64.7% of the times uh, when they're tied at the half versus 49.4% for other teams. When they're down by 1-3, to three, they win 56.3% of the times. When they're down... Four to seven, they win fifty-seven point six percent of the times. The rest of the league wins twenty-nine point three. Um, the Patriots are e- absolutely elite, and Bill Belichick and his crew are absolutely top-notch at understanding what is uh, causing the Patriots to struggle in the first half, and completely switching their whole team around to dominate in the second half. What about the rest of the studio? Super Bowl thoughts. Well, uh, I'm really excited to see the Saints, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I see. Last week was really, really interesting from both sides because we could have easily seen Saints versus Chiefs. Um, but I was pulling for the Saints after the Bears got out, and I was really hoping Drew, Drew Brees would get that second ring. But uh, obviously, in this room, I know the least of football, but I do love the Super Bowl. And the last time I bet on the Patriots, I backed out at the last second. And that was Super Bowl 51, and they came back and won. They beat the Falcons. I told the person I was betting with, I was like, I'm feeling Atlanta today. So I called off the bet at the last second. But the last time I really bet on them, they won against the Seahawks. Uh, and now I'm going for them again. So um, I'm betting on them again. I remember that. Because they lost last year. In that, in that Super Bowl 51 that you were talking about, the first Patriots score of the second half, I was like, this thing is over. They, yeah. just, they just won it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And at least it's not going to be like Super Bowl 50 where, like, you know, the Roman numeral is an L, so the real winner is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where L triple three, right? L triple I. So we're there now. Yeah. The one thing that we've learned from the Patriots uh, in these first two games that you re- that, that Tom Brady can really pick apart his own defense. The Chargers tried it. Tom Brady picked them apart. Uh, the Chiefs tried it. And throughout the game, like the Patriots ran like the same handful of plays. Like every third and long, it was like, okay, they're going to go to Edelman up the middle, you know, or a zone run with uh, Sony Michelle. Or, you know, you just find someone on the edge of the sideline. You know, if you get a Tom Brady zone, he's been in the league long enough that he will make you pay for that. Uh, Josh McDaniels is at least adept enough as an offensive coordinator to pick apart his own defense. So if you're Wade Phillips and you're listening to this, literally do anything other than run his own defense against Tom Brady. Absolutely. Um, and I, to your point that the secondary is arguably their biggest weakness, uh, the Rams at least, I don't know, like Tom Brady at this stage of his career, I don't know if he's necessarily, it'll be interesting to see how they try and attack that defense because Tom Brady doesn't really throw the ball down deep field all that often. Yeah, they have a lot of passes that are, Kind of dump offs to James White. Yeah. I mean, I think in that Super Bowl, was it last year that he? It was two years ago that the he broke the record. So quick. He broke the record for like most receptions mm-hmm. in a Super Bowl. Uh, you had Julian Edelman, who's not exactly a burner. He just catches the ball a lot. Um, you have a lot of guys who are just really good at catching the ball, but they're not necessarily fast. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they attack. Um, the, the Rams with that mid, mm. mid-range passing game, how the Rams try to react to it. Um, and it's really where that the Rams aren't that great, don't have that great secondary, considering they went out and made that big move for Marcus Peters in the offseason. And I'm a huge fan of Marcus Peters. He's just been dreadful. Yeah. Yeah, he's been dreadful. Akeem Talib's been injured and not very good when he's been on the field. Um, but also to that point about the zone defenses, the Chiefs ran man for most of the overtime period. And it was... Uh, the Patriots were smart enough to make sure that they lined up Gronk out wide and got him in single high coverage. So the the Chiefs were often running like man with one safety high, and if you do that, it's game over for whoever is guarding Gronk. It's it's just it's just over. Um, they also use motion so well. They will like they'll line up in a bunch formation and motion a guy across, and he'll they'll say hi. He'll start running his route, and now he's moving behind the guy that was bunched up in front of him. And they're basically running a legal pick play because of that motion. It's they're just so the Patriots are brilliant with play design. They're able to take advantage of every little like small twist and loophole in the rules to put themselves a step up forward of everybody else. They're just their coaching and game planning is 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 better than anyone I've ever seen ever. And to that point, it's not a hot take to say that the big edge that the Patriots have on everyone else is their mastery of situational football. Like, no matter the situation, they just know how to attack yeah. it. Yeah. And that's, I think, in large part because Bill Belichick has been, a, you know, he was the head coach for the Browns in the 90s. He's been the head coach of the Patriots for something close to 20 years. He was the head coach for the Jets for, the, for a day. Yep. Um, and even before then, he was Bill Parcells' defensive coordinator in New York. Mm-hmm. So he's been around for a long time. And I think that awareness has really just given them that X factor, which is, again... Their mastery of situational football. Yeah, he's also like a football historian. Like he he knows everything about every football game ever. He's he's insane. He's like the general patent of football coaches. <laughs> and another thing about Belichick and and Brady, I mean, especially contrasting them against a relatively young Rams team, 
these are guys who, at what point could they even get rattled? They've seen it all. They've come back from insurmountable comebacks in the Super Bowl in one. You know, like, at what point can you even, like, I don't think there is a point where they panic. They could be down 18 in the fourth quarter and still think they're going to win that game versus, you know, a team with a 32-year-old coach. And I think Goff, I think I got a few years on Goff. I mean, it would be, I think, an upset in that way just because, you know, it's like you got the OG prize fighter versus the up-and-comer. You're going to kind of assume uh, that the, the OG is going to win. But I don't know. I just feel like the, the Rams match up so much better. I mean, all all year. They, they got a little dinged up, and I think that they got exposed for being a team that didn't have a ton of depth. But when the Rams are healthy and like I said, it's gonna. We're gonna find out how healthy Gurley is. But when they're healthy, I don't think that there's really a defense in the league who can stop that offense. And so I think it could wind up being just kind of a shootout because you can say all those things about you know the Patriots mismatches, but the Rams do a lot of that stuff really well too. And McVay is a very good play caller. Yeah. All right. Last Super Bowl question before we move on for it. This I have I have a pretty well established Super Bowl party. Uh, tradition where I make tamales and then I watch the Super Bowl and I eat tamales with people. So does anyone else have like a sort of a yearly thing that they do for this? No. 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 Okay. I watch NFL films. Would anyone yeah. like to come over to my house and eat tamales? <laughs> yeah. I'm On Sunday. Right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead and do that. That question worked well. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good that was a good question. I'm certainly excellent certain, radio here. Yeah. Oh, I do I do this completely from the hip, and I just usually trust that uh, trust that I'm going to say something smart, which usually works out. Um, I want to go back to the NFC Central at this point, and I have I have Bears fans all around me at at this moment, so it's a good enough time to ask about the Bears. Melum Setter and I's take on the Bears is very much that they just did not have enough weapons to score enough points. They had a great defense, but they were very much hamstrung by uh, someone we think is a legit bad quarterback and an offensive scheme that approached brilliance about a third of the season and then played scared about another half of the season and was, was just sort of average the rest of it. Um, I was just wondering from from you guys, like, what did the Bears actually accomplish this year? And like, are are you are you like those guys who are like, oh, six Super Bowls for Trubiscuits, or are you more like down to earth? I have so much to say. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll let someone else jump in, so I don't just blow the doors off this one. But if no one says anything, I'm I'm gonna blow the doors There's off. There's only two Bears fans. I will on say, podcast. I I never thought that they were gonna be good enough to make the Super Bowl this year, but. Uh, and I agree with you on that that whole, like, they play scared sometimes because everyone this whole time was talking about how a team of playmakers and then they the, the kicker scored all their points in the playoff game, uh, except he missed the crucial one, and that's the one that everyone's going to remember. And that was blocked, too. Was yeah, it totally kick. was. Yeah. Um, wasn't his fault. Yeah, it's yeah. not his fault. It's a line drive. It's tough to do. Um, Going on the Today Show or whatever. That was, <laughs> that was, that his, that was fault. his fault. <laughs> that was I, don't, I don't know what that was all. Yeah, that was that was the thing that he missed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Triple but, doink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 
I, I, I don't think, like, I, I think what they really accomplished was establishing that identity that they just sorely lacked the last, like, three or four yeah. years. Um, so I think, I thought that was, that, that made the season such a success. And that's why everyone in the city was so hype. And everyone's going to be hype about the Bears if they're, if they're playing 500 ball. Everyone's going to be going crazy about them. Yeah. But uh, I never thought that they were going to be like, you know, I thought their ceiling would be like losing to the Saints, you know, in, in, in the playoff game, you yeah. know, the championship. Sure. And like, I, I like the idea of like having hype around a, a football team because they went from being like legit awful last for, to for first, 10 yeah. years, for like a, almost yeah. a decade from yeah. being like a doormat to being a, a game that, a team that, will win games and can make things close at least. Yeah, they went from the Caleb Haney game to last year without a playoff appearance. Yeah, that that's that's really something and let's hear the flamethrower there. Yeah, but let's yeah, yeah. Uh, let's throw it let's throw it to Adam Shalifu. We can all kind of just sit back and tie our shoes and, and check our phones. Yeah. Yeah. Um there are still doors on this thing, Adam, so get to work. Well that's good because it's a very nice new studio. I haven't checked it out yet, but <laughs> from what I've heard and from the pictures I've seen. The Bears are a very good football team, all right? They didn't lose mm, a game by more than a Adam. touchdown all year. And, I mean, they lost by an inch to the Patriots. They lost by a, a double doink in the playoffs. I think this is a team that's pretty damn close, and I don't think many people expected them to be nearly as good as they were this season. You know, I, me and Nagy, most of the time I loved him. I call him Young Frankenstein. He's out there, you know, doing all sorts of experiments. Sometimes they work, sometimes <laughs> they don't. As far as the playoffs go, it would have been really nice to have Trey Burton. It would have been really nice to have Eddie Jackson. It, it, uh, the Bears did have the luxury of being pretty healthy for the most of the year. I think Trubisky, you know, here's the thing. Growing up a Bears fan, what, Jim Miller, Shane Matthews, <laughs> Rich Meyer, Noun, like, yeah. Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman, Cordell, Smokin' Jay Cutler, yeah, Cordell Stewart, who, like, once threw a pass so wildly, inaccurately <laughs> that he actually completed it to someone else on his team. I mean, like, I don't forget about okay. pickles. I, what, like, what am I going to compare to? Oh, yeah, well, no shit. You guys are spoiled. You've had Farvin Rogers yeah. in succession. All right? So take it easy in your bad quarterback stuff. Statistically, he just had one of the best quarterback years for the Bears in I don't know how long. I mean, it, since the, uh, I believe it was the Mike Mart Jay Cutler year had very similar statistics to what, Trubisky just did, but for a second-year guy, this is where you want him to be. They don't with the, how good the defense is. It would be great if the Bears could have something more than a Trent Dilfer, which Trubisky clearly is. And I think sometimes the play calling is going to make him look better than he actually is too. I mean, he had the what six touchdown games. Half those of half those seems like they were shovel passes. I think that the the Bears are in great position right now. They made a really good hire with Chuck Pagano. He's going to someone who can maintain that culture. He came out and said that this could be the best defense of all time. I don't know about that, but I love the confidence. And they're so young and so deep. I mean, maybe they could. Like Roquan Smith is someone that I don't think gets talked about nearly enough. But how good is this guy going to be? It's easy to forget about Roquan Smith. 
when you have Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller and Khalil Mack making all these plays. But, I mean, this is going to be – this is already a star-studded defense. And, you know, there were times when I was kind of – like the game against the Dolphins, the game against the Giants, where they would the defense would kind of play down. And I think that is something that until you get to the point where you're a Patriots-type team, where you're, you've got some years under your belt and it's not your first rodeo, as they say, that sometimes these younger teams will play down a little bit. But from a talent standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, and from a personnel standpoint, I think that the Bears are – definitely going to be in the mix next year. Last I checked, they were an 11-1 to uh, odds for the Super Bowl next year. I mean, I don't know how he can bet that much. I mean, the, the dudes didn't lose by more than a touchdown all year. Like, I, I think that's the biggest stat right there. Like, they can and could have beaten anyone. Uh, much like the Patriots usually in the Super Bowl, they're, if they don't win, they're at least, you know, really, really close. And so I don't know, man. I just feel like, yeah, Bears could be really, really good, especially, you know, you got that offense. You got uh, Cohen. Howard didn't have a great year, but he started to turn it on at the end. If they can use Howard a little bit better and that can help the receivers a little bit more because that's the one area I wasn't crazy about. Allen Robinson was good, but he was a little disappointing compared to what I thought he could be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anthony Miller, I'd like to see mature a little bit more. Trey Burton, love to have him healthy in the playoffs. What's more frustrating than the Cody Parkey field goal is there were two or three different times when a Chicago Bear tripped over his own feet instead of dashing off to the end zone in that game. So, I mean, they outplayed the Eagles, and they had already beaten the Rams. They lost by an inch to the Patriots. Very good football team. See, I think it's really interesting that you were, you know, Allen Robinson didn't measure up to your expectations. I thought he was one of the most impressive skill players on the team. Like really, him and Cohen were the two guys that really, really impressed me every time I saw them. You got Allen Robinson, you go, oh, that was a, that was a great signing. And Robinson clearly, you know, gives enough of an S to come back and and be in shape and be ready to go. Um, yeah, I guess with the, with the bears, the question we've been asking is how do you keep it together? Because you, you gave away a lot of first round picks to the Raiders where John Gruden is just going to draft a ham sandwich with each and every one of those picks, or he's just going to draft, he's going to draft the, like the, the reddest, most flushed human being he can. You see him slapping Raider stickers uh, on people's helmets at the senior bowl. Yes, I did. That just was depressingly on brand. <laughs> yeah, that's just the most John Gruden thing he could have possibly done. Um, so I tell you what, Mike, you know, I slap Raiders on them so they don't know what team they're on. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I like how he's got sort of the up north thing too. It, oh, and John, oh, oh, he just plays so hard. He plays so hard. And he's <laughs> John Gruden. He's not Scottish. Yeah. He's, <laughs> It'd be funny. Like, was, that was like a like a weird like Scottish Buccaneer voice. <laughs> That'd be yeah, cool if he almost like a landscaper Willie thing going. 
He means groundskeeper Willie. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> of you out there yeah. who, who <laughs> just heard that and were Willie. like, something wow, is... they're fancy. Simpsons diehards here. <laughs> but, so you, you are not going to be getting first-round draft picks for a while. You're not going to be able to really sign depth underneath, especially if you want to start paying for some of these guys, if you want to pay for Akeem Hicks going forward, Eddie Jackson, Akeem uh, Smith. You're already, Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos. Year. You're already paying... You are, you are paying what the Packers signed Fuller to, there's a ton of money in that defense. And like, where, where, where does the depth come from? Especially if all of a sudden um, in the middle of the season, you look to have to play, I don't know, six to eight games without a couple of key contributors on the defense or the offense, which Packers fans can, uh, can relate to. Like to me, there's, there's such a, it's a tenuous situation for the bears. And like, I'm not completely shit talking, because like every team is in a tenuous situation, especially if they're they're except for the es- Patriots, especially when they they give out twenty five million a season to a defensive player, like that makes that makes depth so hard to maintain. And I'm not saying they're bad or anything. It's just to me, I look at that situation. I'm like, that is there there is a huge risk reward calculus going on in the front office of the Bears right now. I mean, the kind of impact that Mac made, I think, proved... I mean, there was a point in the season when he had as many sacks and forced fumbles as the entire Oakland Raiders team. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, like, there, for me, there's just no doubt in my mind they won that trade. But, I mean, a good way to not blow up the cap is to still have guys on your rookie... on their rookie deal. I mean, like, they... of their young stars... You know, guys like Cody Whitehair, Charles Leno Jr., um, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, those guys aren't going to get paid yet. Um, Trubisky eventually is going to get probably overpaid. I think that says more about the nature of the league than it does Mitchell Trubisky or uh, what Pace has done. I think Pace has actually done a very, very good job turning this team around. Um, but you know, I think that they're hopefully going to continue to draft well um, because I don't have any reason to believe otherwise right now. Well, and I so, do in the fact that they literally gave away that they don't have any first high, round draft picks. They don't have a first or second yeah. rounder of their own for the next two years. They have the Raiders' second well, rounder, which will end up being the best defensive player in football. Like they, I mean, yeah. that, that was a calculated risk. Yeah. But the, but the the point I think that Mike is 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 making is that that like I have Bears, a reason why they're not going to draft well. It, the Bears don't have the draft picks to draft quality like immediate starters. Like they're looking at like third and fourth and fifth rounders, which are pretty often project players that come in second or third year. And I'll say this: that uh, what Ryan Pace has done really well is find talent in those mid rounds. Yeah. Tariq Cohen and yeah. Jordan Howard were both I think fourth round draft picks. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, I, running, I mean, quality running backs there. typically come out of the fourth. I mean, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones are both fourth rounders. So yeah. the, the the point about running backs is pretty consistently across the league, we're seeing a shift towards late round draft pick running backs. So I I, I I agree those are both quality players coming out of those rounds, but across the league, that's where I mean, those quality players so are like getting found. Adrian Aim, or um, Eddie Jackson, rather, yeah. was a fourth round pick, and that was because of injury concerns. He Everyone knew he was a first-round talent. He happened to break his leg at literally the worst possible time if you're a draft, yeah. if you're a draft prospect. Um, but again, I think it's a credit to the scouting of the Bears that they yeah. have been able to 
succeed. Because if you look at their first round picks, it's like Roquan is going to be a dude one day. He's going to be yeah. really good. He's good. Uh, Leonard, Leonard Floyd is pretty good. Mitchell Trubisky, uh, kind of like the Inkblot test. I, I've already I, made I, that reference he's, once he's, today. He's a Rorschach. I don't think I don't, my hot take for a couple weeks now has been I don't think the Bears bring Trubisky back on the second contract. Um, I, I think he's. I think they're saying adios. I think Bears fans will be sick of him next year. And I wanted. Oh, to s- I, I think that he'll be a lifetime bear. Everyone's drinking the Kool Aid. I mean, and, and if you're the yeah, bear, everyone who drank the Kool Aid died. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, I'll give you the one <laughs> laugh you get for that. This very dark. But hurt, we get there, and then it gets dark fast. But I mean, as far as Trubisky goes, like. He here's the hottest take you can get all day. He's right. already one of the best Bears quarterbacks of all time. I don't think that's too. much of a hot take. I though. agree with him, but only because of the complete lack yeah, of Bears quarterbacking yeah. talent. Yeah, yeah, he finally dog shit situation. Why would you trade away or why would you not re-sign the dude who's been in the first Pro Bowl since Jim McMahon when your history of quarterbacks is Rex Grossman? In you know, I mean, you've got to go back to fucking Sid Luckton. <laughs> You know, like you have they to always bring us Sid Luckman, and just sure. a decent performance. It's always Sid Luckman. And, and you, Bears fans, they they're so desperate to deal. You know, like they they have a good football team, and sometimes I've fallen victim to that as well. You know that we have to cling on to like, oh, but Dick Butkus and Walter Payton and Bronco Nagurski, and it's like those guys, those guys haven't played in a very long time. So when they do have something special, they usually hang on to it. I'd be absolutely shocked if Trubisky didn't come back, and I'd be honestly pretty shocked if he didn't like finish his career with the Bears. I think he's he's going to be around there for the long haul, especially considering what they gave up to get him and how high their quarterback is, or I'm sorry, their head coach is on him, and what that is starting to look like as far as. You know, a Sean Payton, Drew Brees type situation between Nagy and uh, Trubisky. I mean, that's only going to get better. They're only going to become more comfortable with each other. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess my only point is is that I don't know if a Pro Bowl is necessarily a great uh, like. Um... Oh, Pro Bowl doesn't mean shit. Yeah, Jack yeah, Prescott was in there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's good, it's good that he's. He's on the Pro Bowl team, but I mean, like Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston were both Pro Bowlers, um, and Winston will likely not get signed to a second contract. Uh, and he might be playing in Canada. Yeah, he he Canada will likely be out of the league. And so, uh, so just my point is, those are both second year Pro Bowlers um, who are kind of looked at as, wow, they're on the the brink of something. Um, I, I I I guess specifically in in terms of John Fox's offense last year and and Nagy's offense this year, I really think Trubisky held the Bears back a lot uh, their offense was definitely their weakest point and it really only was successful when Trubisky was running those like shovel passes to Trey Burton and working off of gadget plays with Tariq Cohen and stuff I mean anything beyond like 15 yards Trubisky's missing and so it's it's going to take yeah. some really great coaching uh and some stabilization in like that quarterback's room for Trubisky to kind of develop in the way that he's supposed to I think he'll be at his best if he stays with the Bears, I think I think he'll be at his best in his first or second year in his second contract. Yeah, and oh, I mean, the, the words develop. You know, like if he stays on pace, is where he should be. I don't see why not. He's. He, I think he's a long development year. project. He's he's frighteningly inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so before the season, I had two like big Bears takes. I thought they're going to finish ten and six, make a wild card, make the playoffs. 
I also said that Mitchell Trubisky is Alex Smith Jr. And that they're fine quarterbacks. You know, they'll make Pro Bowl. They'll be like, oh, wow, that guy's decent. But they're not going to necessarily win you a game. They're not going to win you a Super Bowl. They're not going to be MVP caliber quarterbacks. They'll just be fine. And that's not, not not a bad thing. You know, we can list all the bad Bears quarterbacks that we've seen over the years. You know, Bobby Douglas in the 70s, uh, which is why my dad was actually a Raiders fan for a minute in the 70s. Um, you know, you, you, you just see some of these guys. And, like, Mitchell Trubisky, he's fine. But, like, Bears fans are like, oh, my God, he's so good. At least he's not an equipment manager. <laughs> and, like, Bears, Chicago sports fans, and I love Chicago sports fans, but they're very devoted to their teams. And I think they kind of put the blinders on, which is why like Bulls fans still think Michael Jordan's the greatest. Why or Bears fans still think the 85 Bears are the greatest. Why I think well, Randall Cobb is good. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think people put their blinders on to Mitchell Trubisky because for the first time ever, they've ever seen like a, a really young developmental quarterback. Like Jay Cutler was already Jay Cutler by the time he got to Chicago. Yeah, he yeah. really wasn't better or worse when he got to Chicago. <laughs> he was more like Jay Cutler when he got to the Bears. His, his, besides Rex Grossman... Jay Cutler was an asshole. It's it, easier to root for a quarterback when he's not an asshole. If the Bears... Besides Rex Grossman, have the Bears taken a quarterback like high in the Cade first... Cade McNown? Cade McNown? Okay. Yeah, he was like a top... What year was that? Like 01 or 02. Okay. That's it? Maybe, yeah. I want to say 2000. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I okay. actually went back and looked at his stats the other night. It was, it was ugly. <laughs> so the Bears have really had like no... Like quality first round draft picks that they've been like, we can be excited about this guy. It's been Cade McDonald and Rex Grossman. Cade McDonald was like ahead of the curve on dudes what are named Cade. Yeah. In that, yeah. like, I, I think I have like probably 17 nephews at this point named Cade. <laughs> but Cade, Cade McDonald is the only Cade I've ever heard of. So yeah, that might be Cade just like a Fleischman thing for you. Yeah, it might be. It might be. A, like Cade, Cade McDonald, your nephew. Cade levels are just sort of <laughs> creeping into the into the local like water tables. Cade and Kale taking over the yeah. world. Caden, Corbin. Um, Adam, I have a question for you, and also Hami. Um, should the Bears okay. resign Adrian Amos? Ooh, it, uh, honestly, it depends on the money, man. Because you, you did talk a little bit about. Uh... Bears have about thirteen million cap space for next year. Hmm. Counter question: How much do you think he would command? I think Amos is going to draw like six to eight. I have a take on this, but I want to hear I, you guys first. I think uh, I'll tell you what. I'm glad I'm not a general manager yeah. right now. It, it's tough. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Well, you have more I than like fifteen seconds you, to figure out if you're a general manager. It, Right, yeah, we right. they don't put you general know, managers on the spot. <laughs> the re-signing period lasts forty-five here. seconds. I, I'd say yeah, if you can get him for around six or seven, but hopefully you can get him to buy in and be like, "Look, man, we're trying to win a championship, and everyone's got to sacrifice a little bit." And uh, especially recently in in sports, some teams have gotten some pretty cool stuff out of that, getting a few guys to sacrifice a few dollars. And um, but the I don't think. He's, he's obviously a huge contributor to that defense, but I don't think he's one of the guys that you can't afford to lose. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you can't afford to lose Khalil Mack, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, um, Roquan Smith, uh, Akeem Hicks even is in that category for me. Um, 
I think you could afford to lose Amos. It just would be it would be sad. Yeah. I, I, I think Amos pairs so well with Eddie Jackson. Like Amos is so like consistent and he can come up in the box and he can he can play back as well and kind of be this this backfield safety net where Eddie Jackson is kind of like a rangy ball hawking free safety who likes to go yeah. after it. And I think Amos like I, I still like Dion Bush, honestly. Mm. You know? Um I'm I'm interesting to interested to see how he develops and um at the Bears did lose the best defensive coordinator in the game in Fangio. But hopefully Pagano can help Bush continue to come along because I believe in his potential, and I think that he could be someone that makes that potential loss hurt a little less. I think Adrian Amos is a weird player to evaluate because if you watch him play, it's not like he does anything that's spectacular that you think, oh, wow, only Adrian Amos could do this. He just doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, that, that's literally it. That's why he's like the pro football focus, like top ranked safety, is because he does just a lot of the normal things doesn't, really well. Doesn't miss tackles. Yeah, he's like in the he's, right place. He's consistently fine across the board. Um, and to that end, it's like, can you find another safety that is as fine at everything as Adrian Amos is? Because um, he's not even the best safety on the Bears when you put when you think about it like that. Um, you know, I think. Again, if you can get him, you know, six to seven million dollars a year, I think you take it. Um, but anything more than that, and I'm like, you know, you're probably better off maybe trying to sign someone else if you can get him cheaper. Or, you know, you can find, I think, another Adrian Amos in the third or fourth round of a draft. Because it's not like safeties tend to go particularly highly. I mean, they're not like a coveted draft position in the same way um, as a quarterback quarterback but, or even a defensive lineman yeah but I, I i think that the safety market is a so like overflown in the like over not overflown but over saturated in the nfl like right now with nfl pro safeties but i think it's kind of i i, I guess i disagree that it's easy to find good safeties like late I, I i think we really only ever see great safeties go early and then it's kind of like a wash after that with but safety. to find a great yeah. If you're trying to replace Adrian Amos, you don't need to find a great safety because Adrian Amos is not a great safety. Well, he's a very he's a nice safety. He's a good I, safety. I I I guess I I guess I completely disagree with that. I I I think Adrian Amos being consistent and being a, like not missing tackles, being in the right place. I think those are all marks of a great safety. Yeah, he hides he hides a lot of mistakes. I, I, he lets he, everyone else be aggressive. Exactly. It, it, without Adrian yeah. Amos, Eddie Jackson does not have seven interceptions, and Eddie Jackson is not an All Pro. Eddie Jackson is what Eddie Jackson was earlier, which is a little bit of a risk taker. Adrian Amos is able to play the run, play the back end, do everything else. And allow everybody else to be as aggressive as the Chicago Bears were this year. I think, I think that's a hard, hard, hard person to replace. <laughs> and I think it's someone that you can't even replace really with anybody that's up right now in the safety market, like Eric Reed or or Landon Collins. I, I'm or, a big believer also in like a whole let's run it back yeah. kind of think with the way that they lost the season. Yeah, because I mean that they, they look the defense just looked stellar throughout yeah. the whole season, and that was a big part. Uh, I mean, everyone doing their thing. But if he's asking for anything more than what you were saying, yeah, like then, yeah, it's going to be a tough decision either way. Um, but I think yeah, like you know, Adam was saying, I didn't, I, I didn't even know about that that they didn't even uh, that they lost games by less than a touchdown all, yeah. their, all their games this season. And now looking back, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm a big believer for that one for this year's Bears. Um, 
just kind of run it back and let's see what happens yeah. again. And maybe Adrian Amos is like, I, you know, there's no guarantee that he goes to, let's say, like the 49ers or something, and he's as good there. Yeah. Like he might just say, like, this is a scheme that fits me very well, yeah. especially if Chuck Pagano is just going to try and, like, do the same thing Vic Fangio did. Because let's face it, you don't have to change much from what Vic Fangio left behind. Yeah. Literally, it's like you're handed a Cadillac, don't crash it. Yeah. Um, or sub out any other nice car. Uh, Cadillac was the first one that came to mind. Um, Ryan's American made, baby. Oh, yeah. Imported from <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> Just like Brendan Wilper. All right. I, I don't want to talk about Adrian oh, Amos man. anymore. I, I do want to talk. I don't want um, to talk about Brendan Wilper anymore. <laughs> I, I could talk about Brendan Wilper for an entire podcast. He's coming to the city. I love Brendan Wilper. When, he's coming yeah. to the city this weekend. Good. Oh, is he? Yeah, is yeah, he? yeah. So he might be over there at Rock the Clock. All right, oh, and Adam, you should come through for Rock the Clock as well. Invite him to my invite him to my Super Bowl party. Oh yeah, I'll let him where, I where think, we uh, Donald tamales. Trump was going to call in for Rock the Clock. Actually, we can have that happen. We can Huge. arrange something with yeah. Trump, or maybe maybe President Obama, former president, that could work yeah, too. Yeah, for, number forty four told me he'd love to come on, uh, and he would be very gracious for the opportunity. Number forty five told me that uh, he wants to make Rock the Clock great again. I told him Rock the Clock's always been great. I'm, I'm so surprised that he's so accessible, these two people. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I got connections. He, oh Adam God. just brought a little bit of McDonald's. That's crazy. Yeah. And it opened <laughs> we, the whole you probably thing met up. him at McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the drive through He, he appreciated right. it bigly. He ordered a bigly Mac. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break. Um, I usually break up the podcast between between segments that lets the listeners have a chance to be reminded that this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. The best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Follow us on Twitter at Cheese Cagoland, where you can get, uh, get your breaking news about absolutely nothing until the season starts again, <laughs> most likely. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. He's on Twitter at Melumsetter. By he, I mean Matt Melumsetter, my co host. Um, uh, any Twitter handles for you guys? Uh, you can follow Radio DePaul Sports at RDP Sports, um, which functions more or less as my burner. And then you can follow me on my actual account. At vote for Witchery, uh, vote the number four W I T R Y, and oh, uh, Hami Rain H A M I A R A I N, and that also I I'd plug the R D P Sports one too. Yeah, thank That's a, you. It's a good account. Um, and while I have you all here, please donate to Rock the Clock this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be posting the link on both of my accounts later on. Um, goes to a great cause. Goes to the Robert H and Anne Laurie Children's Hospital. A very worthy cause. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great content coming up this weekend, including me where I talk about random Cubs players for an hour. Um, it is the uh, verbal uh, equivalent to my entire Twitter account. You should just just make it all about Milton Bradley. <sighs> I, oh I, I can fill an hour talking gonna... about Milton Bradley. Uh, both the it's, game uh, maker and the baseball player. I would like to learn more about Paul Ossenmacher. Uh, Indians if, if legend. Could, please, yeah. Um, I also have a Twitter. Oh, really? Ooh. <laughs> he does? Let us hear it, Adam. Yes. And if you like high school basketball highlights I do by myself <laughs> then it is for you <laughs> uh, that's Kung Fu Hustle uh, Kung K-U-N-G Fu F-O-U-X Hustle if you don't know how to spell Hustle you shouldn't be following my Twitter <laughs> alright and uh, Adam I just need a moment of solidarity here because girls sectionals are starting uh, this Tuesday and I'm going to be pretty much a non-entity Unless you are looking for high school basketball stuff for the next like month and a half at least, high school basketball very good. Oh, I love high school basketball. I mean, it depends 
like you're you're going to be wh- where are you covering this in Chicago or what? Indiana. Okay, Indiana. Yeah, that's a hotbed. I mean, I think that uh, there's certain areas in the country where high school basketball is better than others. Like, for example, some of the high school girls teams I've covered out here, I have imagined against going against the 2011 Geneva Vikings. Uh, that was my high school basketball team, and they would get absolutely thrashed. But in places like Indiana and Chicago, I mean, you're getting a lot of good players. I mean, you know what? Basketball's just fun to watch. Basketball's best, yeah. It, it really, basketball's it, just fun to watch. Yeah, we're, yeah, basketball's cool, but have you guys ever watched soccer? <laughs> I have. have you no, it's pretty good. Water it's, polo? <laughs> have you guys ever watched horse polo? Bull riding? Have you ever yes. seen Quidditch? D-bar, baby. That's the closest you're getting to basketball. Have you ever watched cat competitions? No. What about the puppy bowl? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of tweets from you, Adam, about high school basketball, and I'm, I'm kind of deep into it now professionally for my second season, and I, it's, it just gets better. So I want to shout, shout out there because you're doing, you're doing good coverage out there. There seems to be a lot of um, kind of a lot of the same stuff that I see, which is just a lot of a lot of fun community involvement around uh, around like local athletes and Adams had and a big fan events. base there too. I don't know what? You have a big fan base there, don't you? In Montana, who's fanatics? You know, um, some people like me now. It took it took a while, but you know, when I go out to the grocery store, that's uh, great. I'll usually get stared at by old ladies, <laughs> and not the same way I used to get stared at by old ladies. <laughs> Like, more of a hey, I recognize that guy. Not the oh, look at that attractive young man. And so uh, here's my favorite it's, local it's newscaster cool. story. Well, I've got you on, and because you're a local newscaster, um, I was with my mom once, and we ran into our local weatherman, who was sort of like a local legend kind of weatherman. He was like the the, the local news celebrity. Your your Ron Swanson, and my mom like super politely was just like good morning, and he he like. Was like, oh, I suppose you want an autograph. <laughs> and I grew up in like I a town of like autographs. I, I I grew up in a town of like forty thousand, and we were at like the local IGA, and this guy was like a super mega Hollywood dick <laughs> to, to like my oh, mom, boy. who was just like saying good morning. So um, really brings us down to earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't don't be don't like, do that. Don't, don't be, be like, like that, man. What do you remember his name? Uh, yeah, but I'm not gonna like. Okay, I'm not right. gonna actually put shade. him on blast. I'm not gonna put this guy fully <laughs> oh, on, blast on blast for something he did in the late 1980s. <laughs> oh, that's what America's all about right now. <laughs> that is <laughs> what regretting the 80s. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting people on blast for things that happened decades ago. 80s was the last decade in which I was happy. Come on. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, that went dark fast. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, with more nonsense. Are we going to have you for the rest of the show, Adam? You got to you got to actually go do something. I probably got to go do my job. All I'm right, take a shower. All right, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> All right, get clean. Yeah, if I if I start <laughs> hearing the shower running while while you're still on the phone with us, I'm going to have to disconnect you. So thank you <laughs> to Adam Shalafu for joining us, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. Love you guys. Uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you all uh, for Rock the Clock. Mike, enjoy covering some basketball. You too, man. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. See you, Adam. All right, that's Adam Shalafu. We are all going to take that break. I've been talking about taking for the last seven minutes. And we'll be back for more Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Four.
Hey, it's Cheese Eds in Chicagoland. Best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we're back here with the round table. We've lost uh, we've lost Adam Shalafu. who he has to go to work. Which uh, boo. Yeah, boo. <laughs> going going around the room. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellon that are hey. with us today. It's Ryan Witchery. Yes. And Hami Rain. No. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's that really sums it up, actually. <laughs> um, I have I have very little written down in general ever, but I have nothing written down for the second half of this show. So I wanted to start with a question that I think is really important that we address, and that's what the fuck is going on with Adam Gase? I don't know. I don't know. Crazy eyes. I don't know. I don't know. I what what. I really wanted him to be the coach of the Green Bay Packers. I'm very happy with Matt LaFleur and the Matt LaFleur signing. I really wanted Adam Gase. After I saw his eyeballs. <laughs> Why were they doing that? I don't know. I don't think I care. <laughs> because sometimes people just be weird. Yeah, they do. But I do think I care about that. I don't know what was happening. My eyes have never head. done that. My eyes, I <laughs> I don't know. I've never watched my eyes before, but I don't think my eyes do that. Yeah, yeah. like, he looked like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas. Like, the helicopter's been following me all day. I, I was here, I was there, it's been following me around. Like, that was how Adam Gase looked. Like, he was looking for the helicopter and making an incredible amount of food for, like, six people that night and then getting arrested. Yeah. Like I see, I see stills. I saw stills of it first. I can't, I can't do it. I was trying to do my eyes like Adam. You, you were moving too slowly. Like he yeah. was darting oh. around. Yeah, and it's like, like we've never yeah. noticed that before. Like not in Denver, not in Chicago, not in Miami. Like I don't know why. Like being a head coach of the Jets is distressing about so much, other than like well, I the it. obvious. I get it. Like yeah. the thought of ever possibly being named the head coach of the Jets is now stressing <laughs> me out. It's got to be a nightmare yeah. scenario. Oh my god. Um. But, you know, you can take a still image of everything. You see that in, like, you know, tabloid coverage of things all the time. Someone takes, like, a still image of someone, like, in, in mid-speech, and everyone just all of a sudden, you know. This was a full video. I call it, like, the Sarah Huckabee Sanders syndrome. And I'm not defending Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but at the same time, like, people love to pass around, like, pictures of her where she's just in the mid, mid-sentence. Yeah. And, and looks goofy. And looks goofy, like exactly. Like blinking or whatever. Yeah, but, like... Adam Gase, you see the the moving picture of it, and it's like, oh, it's it's why? Whoa! <laughs> Are we sure he yeah. didn't want this reaction from everyone? <laughs> Just, that's true. This, yeah. That's true. Maybe he's trying to temper expectations yeah. for his first yeah. year. Is if everyone thinks he's like on crack, like, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 hey, what happens if the Jets go four and twelve? It's not his fault. <laughs> Adam Gase has been been appointed as the minister of silly walks for the New York Jets. <laughs> My, that's he looks as if like he looks as. He looks like Amy did when she first heard Pat McAfee doing color commentary <laughs> in, in on the Fox uh, Fox broadcast with a lot less, uh, with way too few expletives coming out of yeah. Adam Gase's mouth. <laughs> oh, speaking of Booth, uh, what what are our opinions on every network having their own referee analyst? <laughs> I want them to all be as bad as um, as Mike Carey was in in, in his lone season. As yeah. It. Yeah, it's amazing that Fox managed to have the two best. Like, Dean Blandino is fine. Mike Pereira is great. Every other network, like, um, Terry McCauley's one of them. I forgot who uh, Gene Steratore is one of them. They're fine. But it's like Dean Pereira is the class of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Mike Carey, like, managed to get, like, every call wrong. 
It was, was almost a, impressive. It was he, more impressive than Dean Pereira always being pretty good. A man who was on television for almost two decades and then seemed to have no idea how to be on television. And it was especially shocking for Kerry because he was so composed at all times mm-hmm. as a referee, just one of the most deliberate and um, well-paced guys. Mm-hmm. Like you always, you always got the feeling like that the game was under control when he was refing a game. And then he gets into the booth and he just like seems to forget how to say a sentence. And it was, it was amazing. Cause like, it's not like they just like picked, you know, like if you were to put, you know, someone who's never had a red light on in front of them and been live on an open mic before somewhere. Sure. Like they're probably going to suck at it. Like I know. <laughs> plen- you have no idea. I, yeah. Like I know plenty of people who I explained my job to them and they're just like, I'm getting nervous listening to you describe being live on air under a situation. But like, I didn't expect Mike Carey to just, just explode, just fold over into a origami (laughs) triangle. Um, yeah, I don't like the, I don't think I like the, uh, refs in booth. It's an I, acknowledgement I, that yeah. no one knows what the fuck the rules are. No one knows the rules. It's always yeah. what it is. The rule changes always, every year. It's that they're always like, well, I think it's this, and then it's different on the field, and they're like, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> exactly. I always really love it when the people who are in the booth, so it's pretty often uh, Tony Romo is the one that does it, is is they'll just watch replay after replay, and Tony Romo's just like, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. This could go either way. This could Fox go anyway. This could be anyway. And yeah. I'm like, Fox is the best. thank you for voicing what we all believe, which is <laughs> I don't fucking know anything about the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I, I no longer understand the rules of football. And have not for a long time. I used to. Sure. I have not forever. I, I don't understand anymore. I, I love Tony Romo for a lot of reasons, um, but not the least of which is the fact that it finally answers my lifelong question. What if they took Mr. Peanut Butter from BoJack Horseman yeah. and made him a color commentator for an NFL game? Because mm-hmm. every time he talks, he just like, like I don't know if any of you guys have watched BoJack Horseman. Yeah. No. Nope. Um, but he has like a lot of like the same mannerisms, like speaking pattern. Yeah. Um, overly positive. Yeah, overly positive, like always kind of like, peppy and cheery, which is never the vibe I got from Tony Romo, like, watching him play. Sure. Um, like, he always just, like... He, oh, wow, really? I've totally got that vibe from him at all times that he was yeah having a lot of fun. Like, that's actually how I imagine, like, if Philip Rivers was a commentator, I'd imagine it's going to be very similar to what Tony Romo is now. Other Like, he'll, he'll just say, oh, geez, oh, Chucks. Oh, man. Golly, gee. Like, that's how I imagine Philip Rivers. I love Philip Rivers. It, him and his bolo ties and fifteen children. Yeah, <laughs> it's he, counting too. He's very, <laughs> he's very Catholic. He <laughs> just has a as a very Catholic attitude towards reproduction, which you know he's, I'm from a Catholic family, and the fact that there are only three of us between me and my two little sisters is sometimes amazing. That's a miracle, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a favorite NFL guy. Like an, a favorite NFL play-by-play or color analyst because I'm I'm a Kevin Harlan man. Mm-hmm. Kevin which the fact that he yeah. works CBS and uh, you know, doesn't really work Packer games except for preseason stuff, where he's their TV play-by-play go- voice for preseason, is kind of a bummer to me because I I love Kevin Harlan just from the artistic appreciation of that man's you guys voice. Still have Wayne Larrabee? Uh, yeah, he's still on the radio. Yeah. Okay, he did Bulls games a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I love. I love Kevin Harlan. I also really like Tony Romo. Yeah. Um, 
I also yeah, everyone seems to like Tony. I go against the grain. I also have no problem with Joe Buck. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate Joe Buck. I don't love Joe Buck. I'm just like Joe Buck is average. Like as someone who does like play by play here, like the fact that Joe Buck can be an above average, if not one of the best play by play guys in a lot of different sports, like yeah. baseball, uh, football. He does golf sometimes when they have it on Fox. Like. The fact that he can really do it all is impressive. Like, there was a time where Joe Buck was just not very good at it. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you give a guy enough time and enough opportunities, he will turn into one of the best, which is why I never got, like, the hate that Joe Buck gets. Like, well, can I, I want to take you back to, like, an earlier part of his career where he was very young, very undeserving of his position. 26 years and old. And he was a complete sanctimonious ass. Yeah. And I think he That's will recognize. Why. Yeah. But it's like people are still bringing it up like it's still relevant to Joe Buck 2019 when it is very clearly not still relevant. Like, yeah, his only qualification when he got hired was being Jack Buck's son. But now you look at him and people are like, oh, you know, he's, you know, he's biased to the other team. It's like, yeah, when you watch like your hometown broadcasters, more baseball than anything else. Um, when you watch like your hometown baseball commentators and they only talk about your team 162 times a year. And you watch the playoffs and Joe Buck is obligated to talk about both teams. Yeah, if you're a Cubs fan, you think he's going to be very biased towards the Indians or the Dodgers or whomever they're playing that playoff series. And if you're the other team, like I remember seeing people in Cleveland who were complaining they kept talking about Kyle Schwarber and seeing Cubs fans in the same like timeline complaining they kept talking about Corey Kluber. It's like, well, yeah, it's his job to talk about both teams. Yeah, that, like I mean, that is literally his that, job. I think that should be the job for any play-by-play person to talk talk yep. highly about both teams. See, so yeah. when I did this when I was doing like this thing in high school, I'd talk like whenever I see a good play, I'd, I'd get excited for both teams, and people I'd get, I, I'd my teacher would tell me I get phone calls or whatever to them saying like, why is he getting excited for the other team? But like it's an entertainment gig. So yeah. Um, also with Joe Buck, I I like him better in baseball. I think he's done better in mm. baseball the last few years. Um, football. I'm, I'm like he's okay in football, but Kevin Harlan's my guy for basketball yeah. Or, or football. Yeah, there's 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 no modulation to Buck. He's got one gear. Yeah, and it's it's a very it's a very. I'm, I'm not. Gear. I don't. Now Troy Aikman. No, no way. No, oh, yeah. no way. I'll pass on Aikman <laughs> Aik- at all times. I just when when we go back to like the beginning of Joe Buck, the things that like the things that stick with me and the things that still make me mad about that early period are uh, he was working for like Fox Sports Net or. Fox Sports Net had this big push for something they called the best damn sports show, period. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, like, not only wouldn't say damn on air because <laughs> of, like, some sort of religious objection to it, <laughs> but, like, he went on a big tirade about it. He, you what? Know, he, he made sure everyone knew. And then there was the part where he, like, he, like, profusely apologized to a wounded nation after Randy Moss's, uh, like, pooping the football celebration. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a good one. He, he <laughs> good like, celebration. He like also a good moment. He took a moment, and this is the thing: like, I cannot abide a broadcaster who who wants to tell me what my reaction to football is. Like, I just and a guy who's like going to watch that celebration and be like, on behalf of everyone in the world, <laughs> I would like to apologize <laughs> to everyone else in the world. They keep showing the replays. <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> Sorry for this egregious act. We're going to show you it three more times yeah. so you understand what the egregious act was. Like Joe, Joe, you don't, Joe, you don't need to apologize to me. <laughs> but I think he's definitely toned that down. Yeah, oh, absolutely, he totally oh, yeah. has. And 
know, he's been through a bunch of ads. You know, he's had a divorce. He almost lost his voice because he got addicted to hair plug surgery. You know, like a bunch of really stupid crap has Never happened to him. 2011. And, you know, he's he's experienced, the, he's grown up a lot. And, you know, I, I've always said a million times that, like, if you would put a TV camera on me from, like, the period of my life where I was, like, 18 to 25, 26, 27, like, you would, I, you'd never be able to hire me to do any job in any world. <laughs> like, I'd just simply be unhirable. Like, because cause I did a whole boatload of stupid crap. But, I, I think it's, I mean, it's, like, it's amazing and also, like, obviously, like, nepotism. That, like, he got that job calling the World Series yep. at, like, 26 years mm-hmm. old. That's insane. That's I didn't crazy. know he'd been around that long. Yeah. I, I just Googled yeah. it. He's 49 years old. I yeah. didn't know he'd been, yeah, he's been doing it for that long. He's been through some stuff, and he's come out the other side. I just... None of what he's been through makes him at all interesting. Well, what are our <laughs> thoughts on uh, Dick Stockton? Old Dick Stockton. Dick Stockton. I think good. Dick Stockton's okay. I like Mike Breen when when he comes yeah, Mike to Breen's basketball. Great. Yeah, Mike Breen's great. Yeah, I was actually I was listening to him yesterday watching the Heat and Knicks. He's doing that call. Um, I'll say this that I also like desperately miss the the old money. Like I think everyone misses any previous incarnation of Monday Night Football. Um, but I really like. The Tariko Gruden one was good because Mike Tariko is a very good play-by-play guy, and yep. John Gruden was just so uniquely memeable that it was just like Mike Tariko was just like was such a great straight man to John Gruden's just goof. I so thought he, Gruden was fantastic. As Gruden's absurdity. Yeah. like he he knew what he was. He always seemed to know what he was talking about, but he was always just so like so amped up and energetic that you you just kind of like laugh because yeah. he was just like, I tell you what, Mike, you know I call this guy, you know da 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 da. It's like. I okay, call this man. guy the hamburger sandwich. I call this guy the wooden sword. <laughs> um, so, like, I miss that. And now, nowadays, you have like, like McDonough and Gruden did not have that rapport. And Sean McDonough is a good play-by-play guy, but you can tell that like John Gruden didn't trust him. Of that. Um, and <laughs> now the... you have Joe Tessator, who again, fine play-by-play guy, I think. Um, as you can see, there's very few play-by-play guys that I have a serious issue with. Um, and, but you also have like Jason Witten, who is just wooden, like he has no charisma. You have Booger McFarland, who is not very good either. He broke the thing. Yeah. yeah. He, he broke, broke the trophy. trophy. Did you see Witten break the trophy? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I want to shout out Jason Witten for doing something that I would absolutely do. Yeah, no, <laughs> if you put thing. me in that think, situation. Yeah, Jason. Always try and pick it up by the base. I don't care what I, I'm, I'm referring to just now, but if it has a base, pick it up. Pick it up by it. Um, yeah, I. The Monday Night Crew has probably been the worst for a while, pretty yeah. much since they lost Gruden. Well, Tariko, because Tariko went yeah. first. Now McDonough is. I've never liked McDonough. I don't like Tessator, and the reason being in that, like, you just you have to do something to make the guy sitting next to you feel comfortable. I was and neither of two, those two yeah. seem to have a, a, the time of day for for you know Tessator is not the time of day for Jason Witten. He wants Jason Witten to shut up. Yeah, and that is very very evident to me as a viewer. I always have like a soft spot for Joe Test because he always did like those Pac-12 after night or after dark night games. Sure, like it would be like Oregon State versus Cal, and it'll still be going out like one thirty in the morning, and you're just like, I am like done. I am emotionally exhausted from watching thirteen hours of football. But give me this trash, trash game where like every other play is either an interception or like defensive pass interference. Yeah. Um, it is just like the m- most bizarre game. But Joe Test always called these games. 
and they would always have these like incredible endings. So I think that has just kind of colored my opinion of Joe Tessitore. Oh, he's a true pro as well. Like it's just that he's been stuck into a bad situation, and you know ESPN clearly just got some serious problems when as it comes to like their NFL problems. Uh, yeah, I was never moment. a fan of their their coverage at all of the yeah, NFL. Nope. You know, like their thing—they just stick to stick to basketball or baseball. Honestly, they do better with that. Honestly, just put Chris Berman back in it. At least he's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Tessitore is a pro. They, they, you know, they didn't get these guys from nowhere. I, I, the NFL just has such a. I, I feel like the NFL and NFL-related content has kind of a, 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 a. The NBA accepts characters and brings in people from the game that have like charisma and have energy and have played in the game. And like, like the NBA, like tonight crew is like so good with like Shaq and Kenny and all yeah. those guys. The NFL has nothing like that. The NFL keeps everyone that has a personality and flavor and charisma completely as far away from the game as possible. <laughs> they hit them with a yeah. Heisman true. stiff arm and yeah. say, get out of here uh, and bring in just the most boring yeah. wooden people to call games and be a part of like the NFL media. Um I just remember like McDonough and Gruden, like what like when John Gruden's last game, like he had all but formally announced that he was gonna be the next head coach of the Raiders and John McDonough, despite only working with John Gruden for like a year or two, was like, ah, oh, John, it's been, you know, the pleasure of my lifetime to work with you. And it was like this really weird, sappy, like John McDonough's voice cracked, I think, or he started tearing up. Mm-hmm. And John Gruden was like, thanks, partner. <laughs> yep. Like he was so uncomfortable yep. with it. <laughs> like football, like John yeah. Gruden's that kind of guy who has like no ounce of sentimentality in his body. Yep. Like it is just, he's living in the moment. He is living for the spider, spider two white banana play. Like he only loves football. Uh, and so, like, Sean McDonough, like, having this, like, personal moment with him, it just made J- John Gruden so deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know if John Gruden could have told you what Sean McDonough's full name was. <laughs> <laughs> He's new Sean. Yeah. Hey, Sean. <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, what are our thoughts on the uh, the get-back coach on the Rams? Uh, love it. Love <laughs> it. This guy's I going to the it. Super Bowl, guys. You gotta love, love him. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's It's... You watch it, and he'll pull him back, and within, like, three seconds, McVay's back on the field, and the guy's, <laughs> yeah, like, trying yeah. to pull him back again. It's just, like... Someone needs to make a season-long highlight reel. Just a constant... Wait, was he there last year, too? Or when? This is McVay's first year, right? No, it's McVay's second year. Second year, okay. Uh, last year was McVay and Matt LaFleur, hashtag okay. new Packers coach, yeah, who yeah, designed yeah. the whole new offense and, and sent the Rams on this this trajectory. Um, no, he's been there for the most of the year, and I... If I remember correctly, I think most NFL teams have one, and it's typically okay. like a strength and conditioning coach okay, who gotcha. has very little else to do on who game day. Who has little day. else to yeah. do on game day, yeah. who is just kind of put in the place of watching the coach. However, most teams don't need them because they're not, <laughs> their co- coach is not a, a basically a football child who is trying to get onto yeah. the field. I mean, like Pete Carroll needed one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's a he's a grown adult who is also just a football child. He, he is like a cheerleader. He's like yeah. Dave Roberts. He's like yeah. a cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to be like in the huddle. Just being like, good job, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I want to make more drama happen between everyone on this team so you eat each other alive and our dynasty just withers away really quick. All right? Cool. I will give the I'll make Russell Wilson make the play, but I also won't give him an offensive line to work with. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's do it. 
Um, I think welcome that, to the Thunderdome, Russ. <laughs> the the NBA needs the hold me back guy for all those those uh, those fake tough guy players yeah. in the NBA. Also, like, they're leaving the bench and you get like ejected or whatever, yeah. or get suspended. They're always like they're always doing that thing where they're like moving towards someone, but at a very slow speed, so that <laughs> someone else can be like, "I'm holding him back." <laughs> I like the baseball brawls because it's like, like especially if you watch like the guys coming out of the bullpen, because it's like, oh, I guess we have to you know chug it, chug ourselves out there. Yeah. But it's, oh, it, It'll be like, you know, a bigger, like, you know, like a Bartolo Colon looking guy. Yeah. And he's kind of like doing like the, the shuffle Half out there because he has to like be there just to be like, yeah, yeah I was if there. If he doesn't leave the bullpen, the team's just going to ream him in the dog. Yeah. In the- yeah. So instead, he'll just go like half heartedly get through like half of the outfield before yeah. the brawl actually ends. And then he turns around. And then a baseball brawl in and of itself is just a bunch of guys running at each other and just like congregating. Like they're it's very... like seeing them win the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Except it's both teams. Yeah, both, both teams, teams are, are celebrating the World Series. <laughs> the name was sportsmanship. I-, I wonder during baseball brawls if like two players come out and they like exchange jerseys like like they're Dwayne Wade or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> like they're Todd Gurley and the ref. <laughs> I okay, love Mike that Francais- too. Todd Gurley and the reverence. Funny, so great. And then Mike Francesa not realizing that it was Photoshop, yeah. despite it obviously like being Photoshop. <laughs> the arm that comes out of the ref. Is there a more gullible human being in all of sports commentary than Mike Francesa? <sighs> no. Okay. Probably not. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I also love him because he has that like super like New York accent. And it's like when you just hear him talk, it's like this is the voice of New York. This is perfect. I love it. He's just he and he's so aspirational in that like a bunch of New York guys can hear him and just be like, "Hey, I'm that dumb too." <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I could do that job. It's like when I was explaining to my dad what I do for a living now, and he's just like, "That's a job." <laughs> oh wow, that's a good idea. Hey. <laughs> and another thing I love about Mike Francis is that he like retired. ESPN did a thirty for thirty about him and sort of. Uh, um, like sport started sports talk radio and it was him and mad dog Russo. And then like six months later, WFAN in New York was like, yeah, he's coming back. I was like, this is all for nothing. This is like Brett Favre. Hey, she said Chicago and tie in. Yeah. Um, let's, we've, we've got to, uh, we got to wrap it up. We've been going forever. Um, before we go though, if anyone has any Packers thoughts at all, I just for, want to say one next thing year. about how the 10 year challenge of the saints beating up on the Vikings and Brett Favre and 10 years later, what has happened to them last week? Uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of ironic, yeah. you know? Sad. <laughs> um, do I have any thoughts on the Packers? I don't uh, know. You you have for 32 episodes. I, so. <laughs> I, I still, and I will have thoughts on the Packers for another 170,000 episodes. Uh, I want the Packers straight for Antonio Brown. All right, let's do it. I want the, I want to send the, the second first round pick, the Saints first round pick, or uh, a second rounder and uh, some buffoon to the Steelers for how bad has it gotten on the Steelers? Like, like a first round pick is good currency, as you know, yeah. even even like the Saints, like later first round pick is still good currency for Antonio Brown, who just doesn't want to play football for the Steelers anymore. But like, for I think it's more Steelers for Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, yeah. Steelers don't have a lot of leverage right now, they can, or the Brown doesn't yeah. have a lot of leverage, yeah. You Probably second rounder, because yeah. I, I guess the rumor is is that like there hasn't been much thrown to them for Antonio Brown. Like it's kind of been a a, a they've put him out there and nothing's really come in. So, Strange. Hey, if you can get a second or third rounder for him, I I think he's on such a team friendly deal. He's making about thirteen million dollars a year. That would replace the Randall Cobb contract, which I think he's gone. I think Clay Matthews is gone. I think Packers are going to have 
well over $40 million in cap space this year. They've got room to bring in Antonio Brown and then make a huge splash in free agency as well. Plus, oh boy, oh boy, a lot of ca- a lot of draft capital. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of picks out there. Yeah, the Steelers going full Fleetwood Mac on us was a welcome development. Thank you. Uh, um, Got to get my 70s pop in there. Um, but as far as the Packers are concerned, even if they don't make that like big splash, I, mean, I think the offense is bound to improve next year no matter what because it kind of has to. Matt LaFleur, unlike Mike McCarthy, will realize that Aaron Jones is the best running back on this roster as it's presently constructed. Um, Devontae Adams is going to take another step forward next year, I think. Um, I think LaFleur and Rodgers, if they're on the same page, which is something that has not been true about Rodgers and McCarthy for some time. Um, I do I do think that this season was kind of like a worst-case scenario for the Packers. Um, apart from Aaron Rodgers playing every game, um, you know, I think the Packers are due for some improvement next year. Uh, the NFC North is going to be really tough outside of, I mean, Detroit's going to be good, but they're by far the worst team in the division. Yeah, I, I think I think the NFC North is actually going to open up a little bit. The Vikings only have $6 million in cap space next year, and they're losing Anthony Barr. They're losing, uh, they just signed Danielle Hunter to a big deal. But I, I, I think the Vikings don't really have enough money to build any depth or improve on a not good year. Um, and so I think they're going to drop. I think the Lions are going to continue to be the Lions. I think it'll be just between the Bears and the Packers next year. All right. Um, that will do it. Thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We're on Twitter at CheeseCagoland. Um, I'm on Twitter at MP Fleshman. He's on Twitter at Mellum Setter. Um, vote for Witchery, Ryan Witchery, uh, Hami Arain for Hami Arain. Uh, the four in vote for is the number four. Uh, thank you guys very much for joining us for our Pro Bowl week roundtable. We didn't talk about the Pro Bowl, which is good. Uh, that's exactly how I planned it. That's the only thing I really planned. Yeah, when you when you started a show with that, I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Pro Bowl is stupid. Yeah, I didn't. I did not watch the Pro Bowl. I this entire week has been mad because I was in Cancun to start it, and I got back, and then I had to just immediately go to work. So yesterday was the first day I've had to like get my feet underneath me. Um, this is update on what's happening in Mike's life in Chicagoland. Thank you so much for listening to that. And, uh, we'll be back next week with more Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, our head Cheesehead of the week, just like it was two days ago when we recorded the last episode. It's Devontae Adams. Congratulations, Devontae. Because he went to the Pro Bowl. Um, and that's, that's great. Um, so until next time, uh, stay cheesy, baby. All right.